Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. There we are. Hey, welcome in. What's up? Happy Saturday to you. It's a Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 on the AM dial, 99.7 HD4 on the FM dial as well. If you have the HD channel, welcome into it. It's Kansas Talk. I'm Andy Hoosier. Great to have you along for the ride this morning, getting you up and moving for another weekend. Boy, oh boy, what a week it's been. Can you believe that we're halfway through February already? I know I say that like every week, like, oh man, the time's flying by, but it really truly is we got a lot to talk about today the legislative session of 2023 moving right on through they have a lot of bills they are discussing across the board on numerous different issues and topics we're going to try and pick some of those out and discuss some of those throughout the program today coming up on the show bottom of the hour we have tracy mann congressman from the big first district here in the state of kansas we chat with we chatted with him a few days ago we'll play that interview coming up in just a little bit also Coming up in hour number two, Dan Hawkins, state representative from right here in Wichita, House House District number 100, also the Speaker of the House for our state legislature. We're going to pick his brain on a lot of different issues as well. So we have a lot to get to, which means this first half hour is all up to you at 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK if you want to join into the program. We would love to hear from you. What's on your mind? I have a couple questions I'm going to pose to you here in just a moment and get your thoughts on especially regarding the legislative session. First and foremost, there are a lot of different issues that I want to touch on today. And uh, first, the local issue, number one, we have a race coming up for the mayor's race in 2023 at the end of the year. Now, as we get through the session and as we get into summertime, we're going to start talking with different candidates and the uh, uh, we'll talk with different candidates for the mayor's race for different city council races. So there's a lot of uh, election that we will focus on this year that conveniently is the off season where people don't pay attention to elections. But we will be on this program so that way you can hear at least what they have because they're nonpartisan, which means you have to do the extra due diligence to understand where they stand. But there are now multiple different candidates into the race for mayor this year. The latest one coming just a couple of days ago with uh, city councilman Brian Fry. As he has officially announced his run for mayor, you may know Brian Fry. He is a relatively frequent guest on the program here, and we'll get him back on here in the next few weeks to talk about that run for mayor as well. So congratulations to him, and we'll get him on the program here soon. We'll start getting some of the uh, city council candidates on the program throughout the spring and summertime as well. Number two, also congratulations to Mike Brown from Johnson County as the new chairman for the state Republican Party here in the state of Kansas. Last weekend, the uh, state convention was going on during the same time as this program, and there was a heated contention for that race, and he ended up winning that one, so we'll get Mike Brown on the program here relatively soon as well to also welcome him, uh, welcome him into the chairmanship of the state Republican Party and the future outlook of the Republican Party. Can he be the great uniter? Because that's going to be the big, I think... Kind of the consensus that we've heard on this program, along with our thoughts as well, that the big consensus is he needs to be the great uniter for the Republican Party. We have a lot of emotion in our party, which is good. 
It's good to have a lot of emotion, uh, our thoughts on where the party should be going, our thoughts on uh, different issues, on different policy, on different legislation. That is a good thing. We like the big umbrella as long as we still promote, at the end of the day, Republican values, which are limited government, less regulation, less taxes, and we promote that policy uh, depending on where that scale is on the level of regulation or policy or or, uh, control from the government. That's up for discussion. But as long as we're promoting that wherever we're at right now, if we're promoting for less of that government or less of those taxes or less of those regulations, then we're in good shape in some way, shape, or form. So uh, can he unite the party and can we move forward with a Republican agenda? We'll get Mike Brown on the program here relatively soon as well, which leads into the legislative session of 2023 right now. And I ask now, we have a supermajority of Republicans in both chambers. In the Senate, in the House, we dominate with Republicans. The Republican Party, however, is fractured a little bit between the Truth Caucus, that is run, by the way, by Ty Masterson, the Senate president, and uh, those in the House as well, solid conservatives. But we have a Truth Caucus. Then we have Republicans that are a little bit more on the moderate side of the aisle on the Republican Party within our legislature as well, which is why it's very difficult sometimes for us to get our agenda across and actually get proper things done. So here's my question for you today, and I have two of them. That we're going to open up the lines to you for at 316-721-8255 on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. There are two questions that I have. Are we as conservative as we say in the state of Kansas? Because while we have a supermajority, and as I remember, we have a supermajority, yet when the governor vetoes things as a Democrat governor who says she doesn't like to veto things, but she's vetoed more bills than any other governor in the last 20 years, when she vetoes those things, We very rarely, or at least have a very difficult time getting enough Republican support to override those vetoes with the supermajority. So are we really as conservative as we say? Number two, looking through all the legislation, which if you want to do so, there's a very good app that I recommend, and I'm going to give them a little plug here, but the Candace Chamber of Commerce has their own app. And the own app is called the Candace Chamber. And when you download the Candace Chamber app, You can see the legislature, you can see different chambers, you can see the leadership, you can see all the different members in the legislature, but you can also see all of the legislation that's going on in the state legislature right now. I was scrolling through it the last couple of days, and some of these bills, man, now I get it, anybody can present a bill, and most of them will not go anywhere. Most of them will not go above the committee threshold to get on the floor on either chamber to be voted on or even go through both chambers in order to be passed, to be sent to the governor, to be signed or not signed. I get that it's very, very difficult for those bills to be signed. That being said, looking at some of these bills, I scratch my head and I say, how in the world are we somehow a conservative Republican state in any fashion looking at some of these bills? There are one, two, three, four. There's about five of these here that I kind of scratch my head on. Number one, House Bill uh, 2004, 2004. And again, you can find these, you can find the beef description, you can find where they're at in the committees, you can find the latest votes on them, all of that on these this Kansas Chamber app if you want to download it. House Bill 2004, regarding taxing electric vehicles. And we knew it was going to come up sometime because, of course, the fact that, well, we need road maintenance and the road maintenance needs to be done based on gas taxes. But if people are using electric vehicles, which are becoming more popular, I got to tell you, I've been driving around the city of Wichita lately and I've been seeing more and more Tesla vehicles out there on the streets. I don't know that I would ever get one, but they're really cool. One of our coworkers has one. I've driven around in it and it's really neat. I do enjoy it. 
And it does save a lot on gas. It's, I mean, it compensates for it by having a really, really large car payment because of how expensive they are. But the electric vehicle is becoming more popular with more industries and more different auto companies working towards making all of their vehicles EVs or at least extreme hybrids to where you're using less and less gas, which means you're paying less gas tax, which means now the government, of course, as we knew it was going to happen, is freaking out saying, wait a second, people's paying less for gas. So therefore, the money going into the road maintenance funds aren't being fulfilled. Therefore, we need to find new ways to tax these vehicles. And in a Republican legislature, we have a bill. Again, I don't think a Republican's actually promoting this. At least I hope not. But they're promoting ways to try and tax electric vehicles in order to continue with the highway funds in the state instead of finding other means to transfer that money over in order to compensate for those funds in the Department of Transportation. You would think that would be a relatively a relatively commonsensical thing. All right, you know what? We don't want to create more taxes on these things, which they're looking at taxing the charging stations that they build. Okay, you can build it and tax it, obviously. But to charge you an additional tax while you ch- while you ta- actually sit there and charge your vehicle at the charging stations or doing it per mile base, whatever they're going to look at doing, uh, I, I'm pretty sure, could be wrong on this, but pretty sure that raising taxes and finding new ways to tax individuals is not the most conservative thing. Again, probably not Republicans that are promoting this, but the fact that we're even discussing these things in a Republican state legislature kind of boggles my mind a little bit. And we'll get to, uh, through some more here in just a minute, but I ask you the question today. With all of the bills that have been floated out there and that have been in the news, maybe you don't know about, maybe that you haven't heard of, what are we missing that's detrimental or at least important to you that we haven't promoted in a bill in our state legislature? And I can tell you one right off the bat that I really, 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 really wish that our legislature would focus on and actually do something about. And that would be a mandatory financial literacy class in our public education. I have not heard about a bill about it at all. At all. Talking about financial literacy, I've talked to a few of our state legislators about it, and they said, well, we've tried it in the past, but it doesn't get much traction. Why? Why? Right now, we have a debt crisis with our national debt being capped, wanting to raise the debt ceiling at the federal level. And while that's debate and discussions going on, we have the Biden administration wanting to wipe out student loan debt because students can't afford the student loan payments that they have. And I've told you my story many times on the year before. Don't need to do it again with how much student loan debt that I had because I made those stupid decisions. Why? Because I never had a financial literacy, uh, literacy class in school. So therefore, finances were not top of mind to me. My parents never taught me financial literacy, which is unfortunate, and I wish they would have which when it comes down to it, that's really the uh, primary of where you should be getting your financial uh, um, understanding and education. But I had no clue. I thought, and this is, again, stupid me and, uh, coming out of high school, going into college, thinking that I was really cool and that I was going to dominate the world. I thought that I would be able to walk out of college with any type of degree and be making massive amounts of money to pay it off. It's not a big deal. Everybody does it. It's going to be very easy to pay off because I have a college degree. Therefore, whatever industry I go into, I will be able to show that diploma. I will be able to get a job, and I'll be able to make lots of money and pay it off just like that. I don't know why you guys are so freaking out about the amount of student loans. That was my thought process at that age. And I had a lot of learning to do, obviously. We're all stupid at that age. 
I still think that we should have a mandatory financial literacy class to understand debt, to understand credit cards, to understand having a bank account. In fact, the state of Nebraska does something really cool, and I wish that maybe we could uh, piggyback on kind of what they're doing. They actually partner with local banks in the area to put a bank branch, kind of a teller branch, in the schools, in the elementary and middle and high schools, and actually have bankers sit there with students who run it to have a bank account at the school. Whether it is uh, your lunch money account, whether it's uh, just learning how to save up money, but going into the bank branch, putting money into it, saving it, and realizing this is how much money I have and this is how much money that I can spend on whatever else, when the book fair comes uh, comes into the area or if we're doing some type of fundraiser to buy a $20 t-shirt or whatever it is, how much money do I have in the account and how do I put money in there? I think that would be a brilliant idea. Why have we not discussed anything like that here in the state of Kansas? These are brilliant ideas, but for some reason, financial literacy is not top of mind for our public education and for our administrators who are setting the curriculum in the local areas, and I don't know why. Probably because they're being paid off by some of the higher education that loves the great student loans and all the debt that people get into because the system's set up to be that way. Not to be all conspiratorial here, but it just makes sense on why administrators would be pushing back or the teachers' unions or whoever is from the education system is pushing back on this type of legislation to say, no, it's not the best idea to educate our kids on finances to understand them, to realize that going into debt and getting twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars in student loan debt is a really, really bad, stupid idea. You should probably work through it. You should probably get a job. You should probably not go to the high prestigious school, but go to something else. I mean, obviously here in Wichita, we have some great schools with Friends University, with Newman University, with Wichita State University, with all the other smaller ones that are around here as well, and then different universities across the state as a whole. Great opportunities. You don't have to get into extreme debt for them. Let's teach them about the basics of finances not being talked about, at least that I'm aware of. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. I don't know. We'll talk with Dan Hawkins about that in a little bit. But instead, we have some really absurd bills going on in the legislature right now that I just don't know that they're the big priority that they need to be, including the EV taxes. Uh, Here's a good one for you. Traffic infractions for fatigued drivers. We've talked about this briefly on the program. Apparently, we're going to increase the the law enforcement so big that we're going to regulate you to try and pull you over to ask if you're tired or fatigued and whether you should be driving or not. I have a new app on my phone, and I don't like it. It makes me very, very angry. Uh, but we're, we changed insurance policies for our auto insurance. For some reason, our auto insurance kept going up like 20 or 40 bucks every, four, every six months when we had to renew our insurance, and it kept climbing. We have no traffic citations. We have no uh, speeding tickets. We have nothing like that at all, but yet they continue to increase our rates. We are very angry about that. We are looking to get different rates. The new one, however... It's basing our interest rate or basing our auto insurance rates based on our driving habits, which means they downloaded an app on my phone to monitor what we do. The times that I drive, the path that I drive, if I'm speeding at all, if I'm distracted driving and using my phone at the time while I'm in my vehicle, if I have any hard stopping or hard braking or hard accelerations, they monitor all of this for 90 days, which we're almost done with our time. And then they base our rate based on how our driving habits are and how well we drive or don't drive. Drives me nuts. I absolutely hate it. Big brother to an absolute degree. You should just base your insurance off of strictly 
whether I've gotten a speeding ticket or citation in the last year, two years, five years, or whatever. Because if not, then obviously I'm driving at a relatively good rate and doing a good job as a driver, and therefore you should give me a lower rate. Period. End of story. But the big brother is there to an nth degree. Now we're talking about not even just that, but oh, hey, if you have you have a cup of coffee in the morning. You sip coffee while you're driving to work? Well, that probably means that you're fatigued because you're not quite awake yet because you need the coffee as a stimulant to get you up and going. So, therefore, you're fatigued, and therefore, we're going to, like, cite you for fatigue driving or something. I mean, I guess if you, like, say, hey, I had an accident because I fell asleep, then, cool, you could cite you for that. But where is this going to go? How far are they going to regulate something like this with traffic infractions for fatigued driving? Interesting stuff, man. It really makes me question on how conservative, how Republican really are we in this legislature with some insane legislation going on right now in the state of Kansas. Your thoughts on this? 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. If you want to join into the program, um, we got a lot to talk about today, obviously. There's a lot of things going on. We'll talk about some more of these different bills. Uh, we will talk about the state of the Republican Party, the off-season elections as well. As we go into November with some local city council, mayor's races, and more, Dan Hawkins, the House Speaker, will be joining us in hour number two as well. I'm going to try and keep my composure today with this cold that is kicking my absolute butt. I am hyped up on the medication right now, so bear with me if you hear my cough button go off and you hear some silence momentarily. (laughs) It's going to be a good one, though. I think it's supposed to be warm today, hopefully. That's the goal, at least. All right, we got to take a break. We'll take some phone calls when we come back right around the corner. It's Candace Talk. It's right here on KQAM. Stay here. Welcome back into the program. 27 minutes past the hour. We covered a lot of ground that first segment. Holy cow. A lot of different topics we threw out at you, so it's up to you to discuss what you'd like to hear. Are we a majorly Republican legislature? As we have the supermajority with ours in the legislature, but some of these bills, man, pretty insane. Also, what are we not talking about in the legislature that you think is a priority that they need to be talking about? And while, And I'm not talking about just bills that... Maybe bills that uh, they're, they have, they're just not going anywhere, or something that we never even mentioned. Financial literacy, I think, needs to be one of the top priorities that we need to address. Right now, they are addressing certain educational bills. We'll get Christy Williams, state representative, on the program here uh, soon to talk about that as she heads up the uh, Education Committee in the House of Representatives and some really great content coming out of there. Trying to fight for school choice. That's awesome. Trying to get the school... Uh, The education savings account, that's awesome. So we're doing some really good stuff in the realm of education, but could we do a little bit more? We'll love to get your thoughts on it. Let's go to the phones here, shall we? Line at number one. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, Andy. It's Sean. Mr. Sean, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm pretty good. Uh, Thanks for using the proper pronoun. Uh, Well, allegedly. Allegedly. I can't confirm, right? Yeah. I, I am a mister. (laughs) <laughs> there we go. There we go. What's on your mind? Hey, I think the um, idea of uh, teaching children and, you know, starting out in elementary school, financial responsibility is a brilliant idea. I don't know why we have we ain't, we ain't doing it already, but, uh, yeah, uh, I think it's a good idea. I don't know about having a 
bank teller in a school, elementary school, and using uh, opening up accounts of kids using real money. I think start out with play money first. Mm, that's an idea. Maybe for some of the elementary school students uh, doing some of the play money. I tell you what, hold on the line, Sean. we got to take a hard break here. But that's an idea, using some of the play money to buy toys or something going on there at the school. Uh, it's an interesting concept, but you're right. I mean, I think that uh, the financial literacy is definitely forefront that we should focus on. We'll talk about some more of that when we come back here right around the corner. Stay here on the Candace Talk right here for Saturday morning on KQAM. right here. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Alright, special props on who remembers that movie. Yeah, I'm not going to say it. you got to call in and guess it. 316-721-8255 316-721-TALK Lots of things on the table right now with your thoughts on where we need to go with our legislature, what bills we need to focus on, what we need to address in the state. As uh, By the way, as a heads up, speaking of the Mayor Johanna issue, in the state of Kansas. We have three different bills right now floating. As far as I'm aware, three different bills regarding marijuana legislation in the state. One of them that would legalize the medical side of it uh, that they're discussing right now. Then they have one regarding the allowing of, of people to grow it in order to sell it to uh, different distributors or different uh, bill, uh, businesses or whoever to sell it to VA veterans and uh, retired vets with the medical issues that have a green card. Then we have another bill in the state that would decriminalize it altogether. Three bills right now. I don't know where they're at. We can get an update on that a little bit later. But that is an issue that a lot of people have been focusing on, whether that's the priority for everybody or not. I would love to hear your thoughts on. Down in Oklahoma, just south of us here, south of the border, they are doing a special election coming up at the beginning of March, March 6th, I believe. They are doing a special election to do recreational full legalization of marijuana. If that happens, you then have Oklahoma, you have Colorado, you have Missouri, all of them with recreational marijuana or some form of uh, marijuana. There's a bill now floating in the Nebraska state legislature as well that would allow it on the medical side. So we would be completely sandwiched. I'm telling you, we are one of only three states in the entire nation right now that does not have any form of the marijuana issue. And wherever you stand on the issue, which I want to get your thoughts on, we have to do something because uh, whether it's the tax revenue that you're missing out on, whether it's the fact that we're just going to have to increase law enforcement to try and stop it from coming across our border into Kansas, uh, which means we're going to have a really hefty uh, um, um, expenditure, I guess, for law enforcement to continue to try and regulate and keep it out of the state and us not having it when everybody else does. We're going to have to do something in the state regarding the issue however you stand on it. So that is another one as well. Uh, we got some other calls on the line here, but Sean, I want to wrap up with you here. Uh, outside of the financial literacy, what's a priority for you? Do you think that we're handling most of the issues in the state right now? And are they doing a job? And are we as conservative as we say we are sometimes? Well, I don't think we're as conservative as uh, we like to think we are. Uh, I might be, you might be, but not everybody is, or else we wouldn't have a, 
uh, blue areas of the state. We wouldn't have Democrat mayors and governors and all that. So, I mean, if we was truly a truly red state, we would definitely have a lot more uh, uh, Republican mayors and, and whatnot. And, uh, I mean, I know we got a the, – the, the legislature is dominated by uh, Republicans big time, and that's fine. But what I want is conservative Republicans. I don't want your uh, carpetbaggers that straddle the fence because, you know, they can really mess things up by voting with the uh, Democrats on stupid legislature. Yeah, it's a, so, it's a, it's a hard, fine line. I mean, for example, you're right, because I want – the conservative, I want the truth caucus individuals to be the ones that are up there in the, in the legislature getting things done. The problem is, is that sometimes it, it, when you get further deeper into the weeds here, unveiling the layers of that onion, uh, for Johnson County, Wyandotte County, Shawnee County, some of those areas that are very moderate or even left-leaning, uh, it's better to have a moderate Republican who can get elected as opposed to not getting a Republican at all. And uh, getting a Democrat, because I'd rather be able to work with somebody 30% of the time as opposed to no uh, 0% of the time. So it's a fine line. But then when they're up there, it's trying to whip them as far right as you can to get them to support the Republican Party in general, isn't it? Well, I guess. But, uh, you know, just because conservatives don't have to be so stiff-necked that they're not willing to... uh, compromise on things that are worth compromising on without violating uh what's right you know uh, good values and whatnot so but uh yeah i think um uh i just i just think that we could be a more conservative state altogether and we could be a lot more red because you know we used to have seven we used to have a total of seven delegates, and now we're down to six. I think it's been that way since the 90s. And then for the first time in my life, well, I won't say for the first time in my lifetime, but for the first time since uh, Dan Glickman, who uh, I voted for one time, and I had a chance to meet him back in the early 80s cause at the when he used to have an office in the uh, federal courthouse because my dad ran security there for the Federal Protective Service. Uh, <clears throat> he was the only Democrat that I ever voted for. He was a pretty good guy, I think. But uh, we haven't had a Democrat uh, since uh, Glickman until uh, some gal gets uh, back east. Sure. There, what, Oberlin Park or something gets elected. Uh, uh, she's a Democrat. Yeah, Sharice Davids. How long yeah, how long has she been up there now? Uh, she's in her second term right now. Huh. How liberal is she? Uh, she is uh, AOC style. But, oh. Uh, yeah, oh, she's very far left. But she keeps her head down. She plays it smart, and i got to give her credit for it. She plays it very smart because while she is AOC type, she does not hang out with AOC because she realizes that district is very purple. And if she openly goes that far to the left, then she's going to lose that election because it's a little bit too fringe. But, yes, yeah, ideologically, she is very far to the left here. So, Sean, I want to get some other calls here, so I appreciate it. But you're right. I, I, get, I get it, and I'm with you. We need to get the Republican Party to at least promote Republican values, regardless of where. I mean, look, we are the big umbrella. We don't tell people exactly how to believe and how to think and how to do stuff because we like the big umbrella and we are the wicked, wild, free thinkers that we are as Republicans. And that's why we enjoy the Republican Party, because we don't get that top tier down 
do as you say and do as we tell you to do, like the Democrats have, we like to have differing opinions and we like to spar with each other under the Republican Party. And that's a good thing. But in general, we need to be promoting a Republican-based ideological view in our legislature. Limited government, less taxes. When a Republican's proposing tax increases, they're not necessarily standing up for the Republican values. We want to cut the taxes. We want the free market to do well. We want the capitalism to flourish, not the government to flourish. We want to not increase the size of a government agency or bureaucracy. We want the private sector to figure it out. We don't want the government to solve all of our issues. And there's a lot of times in the state where, unfortunately, there's been some very, very uh, wild moderate Republicans that do promote some some of those things. And while I understand we need Republicans to work with us 20, 30 percent of the time if they are in a very left-wing district or a very purple district and we can't get a solid conservative, I get it. But let's have some common sense about what Republicanism actually is and have at least some kind of grounding or basis on what Republicanism stands for. It's that fine line. It's very difficult. And I'm not saying it's easy. It's very difficult. That's why it's very difficult to lead that party. So Mike Brown, the new chairman for the state Republican Party, you got your hands full there trying to rein everybody in and unite the entire party together. We'll get him on the program soon and talk about those uh, later on as well. Let's go back to the phones, shall we? Line number two. Good morning. Who's this? Hello. Hey, Andy, this is Bill. Bill, how are you, sir? Yeah, I can. I'm doing good. Yeah, great. Just question, are you Connor or Duncan, or are you Richie off the series? Oh, yes, that's right. Oh, that's right. Oh, there can be only one. Ah, You caught me off guard on that. Yes, you're right, the Highlander. There can be only one. Yes. I'm so glad. I'm so glad people still remember that one. The the first one's still the best one, right? Oh, yes, definitely so. That was it. That's when I caught online with you guys, so it's like... Oh, I know that music, Fantastic. and I like the tie-in there. I love it. I love it, Bill. I appreciate that very much. You guys have a great one. Have a great weekend. There can be only one. The Highlander caught me off guard. I completely forgot all about that liner. Yes, there can be only one. There can be only one number one talk radio show here in the Wichita area, and you're on it right here on KQAM, so we appreciate that. There can be only one. Let's go back to it. Line number three. Good morning. Who's this? Are you talking to me? I am talking to you. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you doing this morning? Living the dream, my friend. Hey, uh, this is Bill. I got a question, or I want to get your thoughts. Okay. The shooting out here, all the synagogues or whatever. Sure. And and around the country, I guess. Why do the families of these people that get shot not take on some of these liberal? Because they got gun laws on the books. Sure. So why don't they? Is there nothing that they can go after those officials for not doing their job or what? Uh, you would think that you're right. I mean, that's a great point. You would think that you'd be able to go after the government for uh, restricting your ability to defend yourself. I mean, if you don't, if you're supposed to have supposedly the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, according to our Declaration, and with the rights, the God-given rights that we have through our Constitution, with the right to be able to uh, own and carry a firearm and and to keep and bear arms, that it shall not be infringed, you would think that we should go after the government for the inability to protect ourselves when something bad like that happens. That's a great point. And I know that there's been lawsuits out there uh, for that. And I think most communities, especially here in Kansas, are very well aware of that. But these larger areas, man, they think that that sticker somehow is going to keep them safe. And when it does happen, they're in shock and awe. And they don't wake up to the realization that there's something bad happening. They just say, well, we just need more government regulation. And then all of a sudden it'll just go away and we can live a happy, hunky-dory, utopian life, right? Well, and I guess I never thought about it from that angle, but I'm just talking about we've got gun laws on the books, and some of these 
DAs or whatever are not prosecuting these guys, just like that last shooting out there, was it L.A., they killed two of those people? That guy shouldn't even have that gun. If that DA would have done his job, he wouldn't even have that gun. That's a great point. Great point. The shooter down in Texas with the AR that shot up the church a few years ago, if you remember, he was a dishonorably charged for the military and then was still able to pass a background check when there was supposed to be a red flag on his account for him to purchase a firearm. And they still didn't even silence him or, or stop him from getting a firearm as well. We have these laws on the books and they can't even enforce them at the federal level while they're asking for more control over the industry. I find that quite interesting. Well, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Why do they not? These, I mean, just like the gun industry, they're trying to take on the gun industry for making guns, but these these laws are on the books, and they're not doing their job to enforce the laws that are going after the guns instead of after the criminals. Yeah, amen to that, man, my friend. It's not just the gun industry as well. I mean, look at the EPA, for example. We had the EPA spill in Colorado uh, a few years back, if you remember that, where the entire river turned yellow with all the chemicals that they spilled there. We have the train derailment right now that's in Ohio that's a massive disaster. The locals are calling it. We've nuked an entire town with the chemicals after a mushroom cloud came up. And what are they doing? The EPA sent one agent out there to interview a few people to talk and see, well, you guys can go back to your homes even though you can't drink the water, you're getting headaches, you're feeling sick and nauseous, but everything's all right. Just go about your business, nothing to see here. Um, They're the ones causing the issues, but they want more power. Yeah, and that's a good point, and that's exactly what it's about. We're doing what we think. We're doing what we want to do, not what you guys want us to do, and it's all about the power. Mm. I get it. I'm right there with you, Bill. I appreciate the call, my friend. Great points. You're right. It's it, it's uh, the agenda that they want. They want the power. It's not about taking care of you. It's not about doing the best for you. It's not about actually fixing any issues. It's about controlling. And then when they get the control, they still can't handle it because, well, they can't handle it. You can't micromanage the entire country. You have 350-plus million individuals in this nation. The government cannot micromanage the entire world while they're trying to do so at the same time. Let's go back to it. Line at number four. Good morning. Who's this? This is Ray. Ray, what's going on, brother? Oh, I'm having a good old time here listening to your show. Hey, very good. I but, appreciate uh, it. Uh, you know, that on this gun issue, when these young people go out and shoot people, uh, there is total silence about what kind of family this child came from. Mm. And it seems to me that if there was any kind of study done on, done on it at all, that most of these children come from screwed up liberal families. I'm, I'm just or putting broken, my money on that. Well, sure, or broken families or families that don't invest in their children where they're sitting there maybe watching sure. games or playing games or watching movies or they're completely distant or there's a lot of anger and separation with a split family. Yeah. Uh, you're right. There is a There's some new money coming into the state of Kansas, which I am torn on because it's a good concept. I don't think it should be coming from the government, but at least someone's talking about it, of trying to preserve the family unit because with how bad our yeah. foster care system is here in the state of Kansas, obviously, and we've heard the stories about the conditions many of these foster care kids are in or them trying to run away, There's, uh, I think the governor just announced like $300 million, whatever it was, this last week, uh, trying to focus on a, a campaign from the state, trying to focus on the family unit to keep families together so we don't have as many kids in the foster care system. I'm really glad that we're doing that. I don't like the fact that it's a promotion coming from the government when we should be doing that ourselves. But at the same time, they're right. If we don't want crazy kids that are having a, an insane amount of trauma at the 
developmental level when they're in elementary or middle school, then we need to have the family unit together. So I'm glad we're focusing on that. Let's not expand the size of foster care. Let's get rid of the need for foster care by making sure we don't have to turn our kids over to foster care by cleaning up the family units. And I think that's a wonderful program because you're right. When we talk about mental health issues, they don't talk about the mental health of the kid in their growing up. They talk about the gun and how we need to ban that. So finally, for the first time in this entire conversation for years, the first headline I've finally seen has been, hey, maybe we should focus on the family unit for once. Well, we should. But uh, the, maybe this is just my tinfoil hat talking. But if it was, if this child came from a fine, upstanding Republican conservative family, then it would be all over the news and probably make national news. Mm, yeah, very good. And, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and, and it yeah. usually does happen, but they usually don't cover that. I mean, the prime example of that, let's look at the issue with uh, Nancy Pelosi and her husband with a guy there from uh, California yeah. who was a progressive, yeah. crazy left winger, and yet they twisted <laughs> that one and they blamed that one on Donald Trump and the MAGA crowd that's abusing Democrats when that wasn't the exactly. case. Exactly. Uh, I've got one more quick comment Go on, for it. on the uh, teachers. Uh, I'm, I'm really uh, down on the teachers. They, they have uh, allowed the teachers union to run the show and the teachers are supposed to be in charge of this stuff. Sure. And so any, any time I see a failure in the schools, I look at the teachers well, and, and you're I, right. I, I mean, the teachers, can... the teachers on the front lines, you're right. A lot of times, though, they're handicapped uh-huh. with what they're allowed to do from the administrators and the bureaucrats in there. Um, they have well, definitely the a top tier down. Okay, well, the, the powerful teachers union, mm. which we all admit is very powerful, tells the administrators what they're going to do about this and that and the other. And the union is supposed to be a creation existing by and for the teachers yeah and the the teachers i'm sorry but uh, most of them are just kind of limp in my opinion and they they even if they disapprove of this new math and all this social crap that we're being shoveled in with they don't do anything about it sure they don't go to the union meetings and and tell the union how it's going to be they just don't yeah, I get it. The teachers union is by far one of the most powerful unions out there in the country and uh-huh. uh, at the local levels all over the place. Uh, I mean, they're the ones that dominate and they do not properly represent the teachers. They do not properly represent the students. They do not properly represent the school districts at all. So I'm with you on that one, my friend. And the teachers need to push back a little bit harder on them. I know it's difficult, but I know that's what we need to focus on there for sure. Because, yeah, teachers unions, they are way too powerful. They're the ones that tried three different recalls against Governor Scott Walker up in Wisconsin. And obviously that didn't go through. But if they had that much power, good golly. Ray, I appreciate it, my friend. we got to take a break here. Always a pleasure. Great calls, great content, great conversation. We'll continue it all when we come back here wrapping up hour number one. Dan Hawkins, Speaker of the House, he'll be joining us in hour number two right around the corner here on Candace Talk. Here on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. There can be only one.
minutes here just before the top of the hour. If you want to jump on real quickly, 316-721-8255 on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. I want to tell you about my friends, by the way, over at Napoleon Appliance Repair. Those guys are rocking it. They were voted best of in 2022 by the Wichita Eagle for your appliance repair. If you need any appliance repair done, I'm telling you, uh, these guys do it. They have years of experience. Mike Sr., Mike Jr., those guys are rocking it. And whether you have some of the new technology, that's a little wild, a little foreign to me. Again, I tell you all the time, I was born in the wrong decade, I swear it. This new technology scares the you-know-what out of me, but nonetheless, it's there. It's super convenient, but when the refrigerator tells me that I'm out of carrots and it puts it on its list automatically because, Andy, you're out of carrots, that's a little creepy to me, just throwing it out there. But whether you have the new stuff, whether you have some of the old school stuff, uh, regardless, they can help you out. It's Napoleon Appliance Repair. Give them a call at 316-409-1525. Again, 316-409-1525. Also find them and follow them on their Facebook page at Napoleon Appliance Repair, LLC. Got to spell it all out. Napoleon Appliance Repair, LLC on Facebook. We appreciate those guys. Big partners here on KQAM and right here on Kansas Talk as they can get you fixed up. The holidays, uh, a holiday, Easter's around the corner, so make sure that everything's in tip-top shape before all the family and friends come over for Easter holiday in a couple of months. The fact that we're even talking about Easter already drives me nuts because, holy cow, how the time flies right on by. All right, when we come back, right around the corner, we'll chat with Dan Hawkins. We have some more legislative updates. Uh, speaking of, with all the calls regarding Second Amendment and gun issues, there is some legislation regarding that as well. Can we get the Eddie Eagle program passed this year? You would think that that would be a simple one. Governor Kelly vetoed it last year. Is that something that she might get on board with this year? We'll have that conversation and more right around the corner here for a Saturday, baby. Let's where to get to here on Candace Talk on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome back into it. It's hour number two of Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker. 1480 on the AM dial, 99.7 HD4. That's a mouthful on the FM side. If you do have the HD radio, turn it on. 99.7, we're on the HD4 there. Coming in loud and clear, crystal clear. We appreciate that very much. Welcome into it. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. If you want to join into the program, Dan Hawkins, Speaker of the House, not here yet. We'll get him on here in just a little bit. If not, we'll get him rescheduled. Not a big deal. As, you know, he's only Speaker of the House. Kind of a big deal. He's super busy. So we'll get him on the show here soon. And we'll follow up and see where he's at. But that's all right. Because we didn't get to our interview we were going to play from last hour regarding Congressman Tracy Mann from the Big First District. So we can go ahead and do that here momentarily. A uh, few other things we want to touch on real quickly as well regarding some of the legislation. I do want to have a deeper conversation later on regarding runoff elections in the state. Are you in favor of this or not? There's been a few different ideas of election styles floated around here with the ranked choice voting, which I think is a little weird, or the runoff, kind of like what Georgia does. If you don't get a solid over 50% of the vote, you go into the runoff. So if there are three candidates 
and all of them get right around 48, 47, and 2. Then you would get rid of the individual that has 2, and you would do a runoff with only 2 candidates for someone to get above that 50% threshold. Do you like that idea? Do you not like that idea? The Democrats in the state are using that as, uh, well, you guys are just mad about Derek Schmidt not winning the election. Because the theory is, is that with Dennis Pyle, the independent candidate that was running, that was going after really to sabotage Derek Schmidt intentionally because he knew he wasn't going to win, uh, that if he, if he wouldn't have gotten that 2, 2.5% of the election, then more than likely Derek Schmidt could have won over Governor Laura Kelly. So now we're talking about this. Is it because of that election or do we truly want just a 50% threshold to say that at least the majority of voters in the state want this candidate to be the next governor? Uh, if they do that, I would assume that would even bleed into potentially Senate races as well. I don't know about congressional races because that's only a district thing instead of a statewide race, but I guess you could do that at a local level as well. Kind of an interesting concept. We'll talk about some more of that here in just a little bit. Also, some bills that we have that really blew my mind that we don't have these in place in the first place. So we'll do that here in just a little bit. But I want to shift gears. Uh, we sat down just a few days ago with Congressman Tracy Mann from the big first district shortly after the State of the Union address from the Biden administration. So we talk about that also being on the Agricultural Committee with the Farm Bill, with what's going on there, and some other big issues as well. So we'll talk about that and more all with our congressman from the big first district on the western part of the state. It's Congressman Tracy Mann. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Always a pleasure to have you along for the ride. As always, really happy to have this guy back on the program, Ben, a little bit as we kick off the 2023 session. And after, obviously, the State of the Union from the President of the United States, what a lot to talk about. Excited to have on the program from the big first district in the state of Kansas. And for those that don't live in the state of Kansas, it's really the entire western half of the state if you draw the line right down the middle of the state. Excited to have on the program Congressman Tracy Mann. Congressman, how are you, my friend? Hey, great joining you. Thanks for having me today. You know, the district um, stretches now all the way east and includes Lawrence. Man. So it's really, you know, it's a very large uh, district, but it's an honor to get to represent it once again in Congress. Yeah, it is great to have you in there. I remember, and we've talked about this before, when you were lieutenant governor, being able to chat with you many times, and I'm so excited you're in D.C., and what a way to kick off the year. You guys have had a fascinating time already with our new Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, that's allowing actually Republican and conservative agendas to happen, getting the right people on certain committees, and then we had this, the State of the Union last night that, to me, was nothing more than an entertainment, because I couldn't understand Joe Biden half the time. He was talking way too fast. He was mumbling. And then he gets in this weird yelling phase where he just feels like he has to yell for some reason. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot to cover, Andy, and appreciate what you do and that you do it so well. I think, you know, we zoom out a little bit, and we can talk about last night uh, quite a bit here, but big picture, uh, the biggest change in Washington is is not just who the speaker is, but who the speaker is not. And it's no longer Nancy Pelosi. Um, <laughs> politically, she is basically irrelevant. You know, she is not, um, you know, she is not leading her party anymore. anymore. Last night when you watch the State of the Union, sitting behind the president is not uh, a Democrat. Uh, Nancy Pelosi is a Republican. Kevin McCarthy, which changes everything when we look at legislation that we can push forward and is importantly legislation that we're going to prevent happening. No more of these huge spending and to really try to provide some oversight and get this uh, oversight and get this administration back on track. Yeah, boy, it is really nice. Let's talk about some of the major issues that he touched on last night. Uh, obviously, the big one is the debt ceiling. We've already, I mean, Congressman, we're three weeks into January when it officially hit. Now we're into February. 
and we're already out of money. We've hit our debt ceiling. We can't spend any more. And they're blaming Republicans for not working with them on just just loosely raising the debt ceiling without any discussion of what we could do to cut spending. Are we going to hold our ground here? And will we say, no, we can't just loosey-goosey raise the debt ceiling when we're already with our debt at a 100% of our national GDP? This is unsustainable. It's absolutely unsustainable. You know, we are $32 trillion in debt, Andy. Um, Stat I heard yesterday is um, at this rate, we're going to pay over $10 trillion just to service the debt mm-hmm. um, over the next 15 years. I mean, it's it's remarkable. And and so, you know, when I think family, if you max out your credit card, it's irresponsible to just go out and get another one or or raise the limit of that card without having a discussion about spending and how you got here in the first place. I think it's responsible and reasonable to have a discussion and to make some changes um, in regards to our spending instead of just blindly raising the debt limit because we're going to hit it again uh, if we don't make some significant changes in the way that that we're spending money in this country federally. Oh, no, absolutely. And they didn't talk about any of that last night. In fact, one of the most entertaining parts of the speech last night was when the uh, when Joe Biden had talked about the uh, supposed plan from Republicans wanting to cut Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and the booze that came from the Republican side saying, no, that's not what anybody's trying to do. We just want to make sure that we're not spending on other ridiculous, absurd projects. But the narrative from the Democrats is, well, the social programs are going to get hit and everybody's going to die in the streets because Republicans are unwavering on wanting to cut these programs. It kind of called him on his, it called him out on his spot, didn't it? It, it, it? Well, it did. And, you know, I was sitting there, and when he says the Republicans plan to cut Social Security and Medicare, which is completely a lie, uh, mm-hmm. that is not true. That has never been discussed. I've never been in a meeting, closed door or otherwise, where that, I mean, that, that is off the table. Yeah. Um, for him to say that, and then he gets booze and a lot of pushback from the audience. It really did kind of step it back a little bit. And then he said, well, not everybody, uh, just, just uh, a few people uh, in your party. Um, and, and then is all, is all I'm saying. And then literally verbally, you could hear members shouting back, that don't say it. Yeah. Um, if he wants to talk about what, some members um, in parties are doing. I mean, you know, he's not willing to talk about how he's got socialists in his party. Uh, we had a bill last week, Andy, condemning socialism, and there were over a hundred members of car. This is like as easy of a no-brainer yes vote um, as, as there is. You have a hundred members of his party that would either voted no or voted present, which means they are unwilling to condemn socialism. But he's not willing to talk about that. Of course. Um, not. Last night's speech was um, delusional at times. I mean, it was just wild, some of the things and accusations he made. They were just untrue. Things like, and if you caught the line where he said, um, basically blaming the border on the fact that Republicans won't fund his border security plan. And I'm just checking, like, what what are you talking about? I mean, you, you are you are the sole blame border security of the situation of the border. And I'm just um, like, what, you trying to blame other people about? for it. It, it was it was actually kind of made you shake your head many many times. Last night. Oh, absolutely, it made you shake your head. I mean, I don't know how he could even mention the the topic of fentanyl without saying we need to shut down the border and then blame you guys for not shutting down the border. It was very confusing to me how they tried to twist that one. No, that's exactly right, and you know. My takeaway from last night, uh, that was a speech aimed at his left flank. Like it, it struck me that either, one, maybe he really believes this crazy stuff, or two, 
he is concerned about threats going into his election from his left um, because that was not a speech um, that that would be given with someone that has any intentions of trying to work with Republicans to get anything done legislatively in the next two years. Yeah, it's unbelievable. We're talking with Congressman Tracy Mann from the big first district here in the state of Kansas, where I hail from with our flagship radio station. Let's focus on, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's go into the farm bill. I know you're obviously on the ag committee. you got a lot of rural community in your area, and uh, the agricultural industry has been huge because we're seeing Eggs triple in price. We're seeing meat skyrocket across the nation. We're seeing the uh, the avian flu. We're seeing, uh, we talk about fentanyl and stuff coming from the border. We've seen contraband of eggs and chickens coming over the border by 105% increases compared to last year because of the insane prices going on right now. Can we get uh, food prices back under control here relatively soon? Well, this is a result of Joe Biden's economy and his policies. So, yeah, I'm on the Ag Committee again this term. Our first meeting was actually this morning. I'm delighted to get to serve on it. My, my district is one of the largest ag-producing districts in the country. Um, but, but you know, I mean, and, and, and we've got to get ag policy right because food security is national security. And we're a free – the free country are for many reasons, one of which is the fact that we have never had to rely on another country for our food. If we get ag policy wrong – and that changes like it's changed um, in the oil and gas industry, how we have to import uh, oil overseas. Yeah. If we start importing our food, we are in an entirely different spot as a nation. So we got to work to make sure that we never, ever let that happen. These policies from the radical left that Biden has been putting forward puts us absolutely in the wrong direction so far as agriculture and food policy. Yeah, that is scary. That was the next question I had for you was the energy market was we see gas prices continue to climb as well. We're in the off season right now, which means gas prices should be relatively low before Memorial Day, before the summer hits when people want to travel. And we're still seeing here in Kansas, especially and across the nation, average gas prices over $3 a gallon, which is insanity. Can we get energy prices back down? And is there an opportunity to force the Biden administration to actually allow us to start drilling domestically again instead of relying on OPEC that's relying on Russian oil when we said we didn't want Russian oil in the first place? Yeah, Andy, this it just makes no sense. Um, <clears throat> can we? Absolutely. Is the Biden administration going to be willing to? We're going to see. So far, they, they have not been. You know, when the Keystone XL pipeline got shut down, understand that the amount of crude that that pipeline would have brought into our country from Canada, you know, our best ally, uh, friendly neighbor to the north, is almost the exact same amount, Andy, that we have been buying from Putin. Um, so it makes no sense. You know, you know, President Biden um, shuts down the construction of that pipeline, um, yet, you know, they finished the Nord Stream pipeline so Russia could sell its oil to Europe. I mean, it's just up is down and down is up. You can't vilify an industry. You can't add regulations. You can't make it so difficult for our oil and gas producers to do business and expect that there won't be a decline in supply, which raises you know, the price. And, and so Joe Biden is absolutely to blame for these high gas and energy prices that we're seeing in our country right now. It is unfortunate. We're talking with Congressman Tracy Mann from the 1st District of the state of Kansas. So let's talk about the Farm Bill for a second. I know that as of last year, we were slightly behind the deadline or the schedule to at least discuss it, talk about what's going to be included in it, and revamping the Farm Bill for 2023. How is that process going, and uh, are you feeling optimistic as we go through the year here already? Yeah, well, I'm glad that Ag Committee is meeting and we're, and we're moving forward. Farm bills are typically five-year bills. And this current one expires September 30th of this year. Mm-hmm. So we have some time, but we need to get uh, we need to get going on it. 
um, our, our current chairman, I think would do a good job um, leading the ad committee. Um, my priorities, you know, crop insurance is such an important risk management tool for ag producers. It results, it's the most cost efficient way to have a stable food supply. It's a very successful public private partnership. So strengthening and making sure that that um, remains intact will be a high priority, but a lot of work still to do in the farm bill. You know, think about this summer, we have a debt limit coming up. Uh, we'll be in farm bill negotiations, discussions this spring and summer, and there's FAA reauthorization as well. So there's some big things that Congress has got to get done over the next few months. Yeah. Is there any inclusion on this bill or is it in a separate bill, do you think, regarding the concern of China buying up land in the United States and especially agricultural land where that is a cause for concern, where, as you mentioned, if we want to be self-sufficient on our food, which there's no reason why we shouldn't be on having foreign countries actually coming up and grabbing all of our agricultural land? It's crazy the way that we've allowed the Chinese and other foreign countries to buy large swaths of farmland near our military bases. Um, I, you know, I've co-sponsored legislation on legislation that would prevent this. Um, I think we have to look at, at buying it back or, or reclaiming it. Um, I don't think the farm bill is the best place to do it, I, but I think it should be its own standalone. And so far, there has been you know its own standalone bill that that's been introduced that's working its way through. Way past time we address this. Yeah. The Chinese have taken advantage of us, in my view, a for far too long. Oh, yeah, and I know states are trying to address it. The state of Oklahoma has already worked on legislation, but something like that I think would need to be done at the federal level to just say, hey, if you're part of a foreign nation, there's no reason why you need to be buying up our land and doing your own thing there. That's, that's kind of weird. Then you have the police station from China that's in New York City that just makes you scratch your head as well again on why China is so involved over here, and we're allowing it. We are allowing it, and... Weakness bodes aggression, and that's why when the balloon, you know, enters our airspace in Alaska <laughs> and then comes through Canada, um, through Montana, over Kansas City, ends up at, you know, when it's, when you delay, uh, when you are not firm with countries like China, you're sending a message to them that what they're doing is okay. Yeah. We've got to get much more, uh, more strong, more forcefully pushed back. Um, as, as when they're being bad actors on the world stage. Yeah, amen to that. Last couple of things for you as we let you go, and I appreciate your time very much. But uh, as you mentioned, with Kevin McCarthy being Speaker of the House now as opposed to someone like Nancy Pelosi, just the feel, the environment in Congress and in the House of Representatives, how does it feel, and for Republicans that are being selected on certain committees with Jim Jordan and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert and some of these great conservatives out there and yourself as well, uh, how is the feel, and do you think that we can actually get some decent bills coming out of the House this year? Uh, I, I really do, yeah. You know, the rules package that also passed earlier this year was really good. Some common sense stuff, things like no more multi-subject bills, things like uh, you have to wait at least 72 hours from when you announce a bill is going to be voted on till the vote, which means, Andy, no more of these 4,000-page bills that drop at 4 in the morning that we're voting on this afternoon, you know, that, that afternoon. Yeah. Um, a return to regular order. There'll be a mandatory vote on term limits. There will be a, um, any budget that passes, there's, there's going to be a requirement that it balances. I mean, this is common sense stuff. Uh, it's really good, but there, there's a new way of doing business in the House. That doesn't mean these things are going to pass the Senate right. or you're signing the law, but to, uh, to, to push good legislation out of the House um, has already been done over the last uh, few weeks, and you're going to see a lot more of it here moving forward. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. Like you mentioned, I mean, we still have a Democrat majority in the Senate. We still have the Democrat presidency, so the bills won't become law necessarily, but the messaging of Republicans saying this is our priorities and what we want to see done is huge 
to have us ram through it through the House of Representatives. And as you mentioned, I, I love the very first bill you guys passed uh, as soon as the speakership was done with the single bill, the single page, two page bill repealing the IRS agents and the funding of the 87,000 new IRS agents. It wasn't a thousand pages. It wasn't massive amounts of money. It was a single bill. And it was so nice to see something so simple come through. No, that's right. And, and that goes to the Senate. The Senate, if they don't pick it up, it's going to have to answer why. Yes. They pick it up, it'll pass. And then if Biden won't sign it, he's going to have to answer why. I mean, we will be able to uh, play offense a little bit, put them on their heels, and force them to answer why they don't pick up some really good legislation. You know, other legislation last month um, m- makes it um, no longer permissible for a president, in regards to party, to sell oil out of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, SBR, to China, which the Biden administration has done. So we passed that bill. And it, it's kind of like if you're in the Senate, you know, kind of daring Chuck Schumer. I mean, how do you not take up that bill? How do you say that we're okay selling oil out of our reserves to China of all places? It, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Optimistic here, what we can get done. It is very optimistic. And I hope that we remember that power that we have and that influence that we can have especially going into that debt ceiling debate with uh, uh, holding our ground, even if it comes to a government shutdown temporarily to say, hey, we're not just going to crazy raise the debt ceiling for no apparent reason. It's Congressman Tracy Mann from the 1st District of Kansas. Congressman, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. So much good stuff going on in D.C. For the first time in a while, I'm optimistic about the direction we're going, so let's keep up that effort. Well, thanks for what you do, Andy. And uh, if I can be helpful, let me know. I'm happy to come on anytime. Welcome back into it right here on Kansas Talk on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Thanks for hanging out with us today for a Saturday morning. Thanks again to Congressman Tracy Mann coming on the show. Great information from him out of Washington, D.C. I am optimistic about the direction we're going, and we talked a little bit about it on the program yesterday with the voice of reason. John Fetterman on the Senate side is out right now, turned himself in for severe depression, going to be in the hospital for a few weeks, according to sources which means Democrats are down a slot in the Senate. Is it time for Republicans to step up their game with the majority in the House and only one vote shy to pass things in the Senate to get some things done? Is it our opportunity? We'll talk some more about that. Open line to you for the last half hour on the home stretch here for a Saturday morning right here on Wichita's Big Talker KQM. we got a lot more to get to here. We'll talk about some more legislative issues here in Kansas, what's going on in D.C., what's going on in Ohio with the derailment of the train and UFOs, and, you know, just a typical 2023. Since 2020, man, we've had COVID and now aliens and UFOs and everything else. That's more coming up. Stay here. listening to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. There it is. Welcome into it. It's Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM on the home stretch. Last half hour of the program. It flies right on by. I've covered a lot of ground today. Good golly. Had a lot of great callers, which it is open lines to you for the last half hour again as well. What's on your mind? 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. A few things that we want to try and cram into this last half hour. By the way, Michael Brown with the weekend coming up here at 11 o'clock, just right around the corner. Also, I want to give you a heads up. If you're into the NASCAR season, the kickoff of NASCAR season is tomorrow with the Daytona 500. You will be able to hear that broadcast right here on KQAM tomorrow. Uh, pre-game, I believe, at 1230. 
and you can listen to that one right here. So I uh, got some good stuff going on. Also, our sister station, got to give them a plug as well, over on our sports station, 1410 on the AM dial, 93.9 on the FM dial. They will be home to all of your March Madness shenanigans coming up here soon with all the basketball tournaments, college basketball, uh, for really any game. You can hear all those. We do have some games coming up this weekend as well and uh, all the tournaments that will be starting here in the next few weeks. Get ready for that. But KGSO, Wichita's number one sports talk in the area, they will be having all of your great basketball tournaments, including the big one, the Grand Kahuna, whatever you want to call it. It's coming up, and you can hear all the all the action right there on Sports Radio KGSO. There it is, the nice little plug. has got a lot of big stuff going on with all our stations. Of course, we have uh, Hank FM 99.7. If you listen to your classic country, you have La Raza, our Spanish radio station, at 102.5. Uh, you can hear that as well. And all of them, by the way, on the HD channels at 99.7 as well. They cover everything? I think I covered everything. All right, 316-721-8255. Uh, give us a call on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. Uh, the, the few callers that we had last hour, I want to kind of elaborate a little bit on some of the gun conversation and bleeding into the state legislature here in the state of Kansas because there are some interesting laws going on nationally going after the guns. But the Supreme Court, surprisingly, right now that we have a semi, uh, semi-conservative-ish Supreme Court at the federal level, They've been making some interesting rulings. The latest one, the AP has just lost their minds over right now. And yet it does uh, relate to our state legislature that we'll get to in a second. But to set this up, the U.S. Supreme Court has made apparently a new ruling saying that if a government at the local level, statewide level, whatever, wants to put a regulation on firearms, they need to, quote, look back in history to show it's consistent with the country's historical tradition of firearm regulation. That's kind of interesting. Essentially meaning that you can't put any new restrictions on firearms than what we've had in the past across the nation. So that's good news. They can't expand their control. They can't expand their their gun regulation, Second Amendment regulation at the federal level or even at maybe city, county, statewide levels trying to ban certain firearms, the smart guns, the whatever else they're trying to do, that they have to look back at historical tradition of firearm regulation to see how they were regulated then in order for them to craft their regulations today. And the headline from the Associated Press makes them lose their minds that turmoil in courts on gun laws and wake of justice's rulings. There's turmoil in the car, in the courts because how dare that uh, we don't have any guidance. We don't know what they're talking about. We don't know how to craft these regulations anymore. Therefore, we need some additional guidance from the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, what does that have to do with the state of Kansas? Kansas, we do relatively well. We passed our constitutional carry a few years back, and we are able to pretty much carry where we need to except for Obviously, public places and places that have the sticker that says that now we're safe if we don't carry our firearm there. And I love the point that was made for a caller previously in the last hour of can we go after them because, hey, um, you know, there we should be liable. Who's liable if I get shot or if someone gets shot in a no-gun zone and I usually carry a concealed carry firearm, who's liable for that? Because I have the right to defend myself. You've now taken that right away from me, so who's responsible in that Situation, And I guarantee you that if you make the government liable based on their regulations and rules that they have in place, I'm pretty sure that those stickers will go away relatively quickly on public buildings. Could be wrong, but I'm sure that that would be 
just kind of like you you make the pharmaceutical industry liable for a vaccine if the vaccine makes you ill or you end up dying from it that the the family can come after the pharmaceutical company for that then i'm sure the clinical trials might change quite dramatically before they actually allow that to go out into the public not naming any type of particular vaccine but just in general or pharmaceutical pills or you can go down the line or whatever you want to use there as well. Regarding the firearms, according to the Associated Press, courts in recent months have declared unconstitutional federal laws designed to keep guns out of the hands of domestic abusers, felony defendants, and people who use marijuana. Now, we knew that was an issue back when marijuana was a first uh, kind of early on in its uh, developmental stage with different states legalizing it on a medical or recreational basis. Colorado Arizona, uh, California, these other places that if you had a, for example, the laws in Arizona where if you had a green card to get your marijuana, you would no longer qualify to be able to get a concealed carry permit or to purchase a firearm. Kind of a red flag for some individuals because then it really is the deciding factor of what's your priority. Is it to get marijuana or is it to get your firearm? And the younger generation where we continue to have a interest in the Second Amendment, an understanding of the Second Amendment, an interest in firearms altogether with a younger and younger generation that's growing up in more populated areas and in cities, then that's an easy decision for them. Well, I'm going to go with the marijuana that I, as opposed to getting my gun because I don't want to lose my ability to smoke weed as opposed to defend myself because they don't understand the importance of the issue. Now, personally, I don't think they need to be related in any way, shape, or form. We shouldn't regulate one to take away the other and make you choose which right that you think that you should be able to have. So I think that's a bigger issue there. So is here's the big question. Is that going to come up in our state legislature while we talk about marijuana legislation in Kansas? And I know that we are, again, we are one of only three states in the entire nation that has not done anything regarding marijuana, whether it's uh, recreational or medical or some type of growing in some way, shape, or form. Only three states in the entire nation that have not addressed this issue. And with recreational marijuana being on the ballot here in a special election at the beginning of March down in Oklahoma, with Colorado already having recreational, with Missouri just voting on recreational, it's all over the place. So, again, and I've said this many times before, I'm not saying we need to legalize it in some way, shape, or form. I'm saying we have to address the issue in some way. Legislators, hint, hint, wink, wink, who's listening to the program, and I know you are. We need to address this issue. Either we're going to have to start loosening up guidelines here in the state, or we're going to have to spend a buttload of money when it comes to uh, regulation of it and enforcement of law enforcement, keeping it away from coming across the border, because you know It's coming across the border. And personally, I'm not in the biggest favor of beefing up a law enforcement state and a police state uh, to do something like that. So there's a much cheaper, less government expansive way of actually handling this issue. But if we do go down that road, uh, where's the line going to be drawn between being able to purchase marijuana, either for a recreational or medicinal purpose or getting a firearm? Because every state now is trying to use that as the choose which right that you'd like. And I'm a little concerned that we go down that road as well. 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. They're also, by the way, uh, trying to talk about the ghost guns at the federal level, which is hilarious as well. But the new regulations coming down from the Supreme Court, you cannot create a regulation on firearms unless you consider the historical tradition of firearm regulation. 
And according to the media, it's causing disarray and chaos in the courts, not knowing how to regulate or enforce certain gun laws. I find that kind of ironic, and I chuckle at it just a little bit. Let's go to the phones here, shall we? Line at number one. Good morning. Who's this? Well, this is Don. Hey, how are you, sir? Doing great. Hey, good to talk to you, my friend. What's on your mind? Well, I was just, uh, this topic of cannabis is really near and dear to me. Sure. Uh, as far as determining your, <clears throat> your, I agree with you, you shouldn't have to choose your rights. Yeah. And certainly, when I go in to get a six-pack of beer, I don't lose any rights at all. Exactly. Um, as far as firearms. So, it's kind of a non-starter, really. I don't understand the connection whatsoever. I don't get not it either. I don't get it either. In, in Arizona, in Colorado, and other places, they do. They have this law that if you get your green card for marijuana, then therefore they're afraid of you being under the influence, quote unquote, and doing something bad and getting a firearm. So therefore, yeah, if you if you yeah. register with the government to get your green card, then you no longer qualify to purchase a firearm. And I completely disagree with that because that is um, that's mm-hmm. kind of insane. It really is. But the bigger issue is why is Kansas? Don't have does not have any form of legal cannabis, medical especially, mm. would be very very helpful to an awful lot of seniors and other people here in the state of Kansas. What mm. is the problem with these legislators? Uh, they, I, you know, that's a good question. And I know right now we have three pieces of legislation floating up there. One of them to create a medical marijuana law in the state to allow it for medical purposes. Another one that would allow the growing of marijuana to sell it to distributors for veterans who get a green card in the state. And then another one that would decriminalize it. And I got to be honest, I don't know that any one of those three will go through this year. I don't know why they don't make this a priority when I've said, I mean, whether people like it or don't like it, we need to address it in some way because we essentially have recreational marijuana surrounding the state of Kansas, and you know it's coming across our border. We need to do something about well, it. The cartels bring it into the state and throughout the country on a regular basis. Whether it's legal or illegal, the cartels do not get stopped. Mm. And so it's good for the legislature to look at it, put in some kind of regulations, certainly put in a taxing ability so that it's not just the cartels that are making money on this. The state of Kansas is also getting in revenues. It's stupid. Yeah, that's a great point. There's money on the table. It's stupid. That that is a great point. We are missing the boat on tax revenue for it. Now, I'm not saying they need to tax it. Like I think Colorado has missed the boat on this one, taxing it at like 150% tax rate, which is absurd and ridiculous because that only helps the black market because you can still get it cheaper there. But if we just tax it at our normal sales tax rate here in the state of Kansas, we can make a lot of money from it. But get this. So while they're not discussing this issue for the tax revenue, which you would think government officials would like more tax revenue, we are looking at taxing charging stations for electric vehicles so that way we can continue to get tax revenue when people start uh, using more EVs and less gas-guzzling vehicles. Then we can find ways to tax those guys. Um, I think we're missing the boat on understanding of what limited government really is here. Uh, yes, we are. <laughs> totally, absolutely. Well, thank you very much for taking my call today, Andy. Hey. I much appreciate it. Hey, well, I appreciate Yeah, I appreciate you calling in, my friend. Good stuff. Great point. I completely agree. We need to address this. Uh, I know that many conservatives, many Republicans in the legislature don't want to touch this issue. They don't like marijuana for whatever reason, and I totally get it. Cool, but it's something we need to address, and I think it needs to be bumped up a little bit higher on the priority level. Uh, for sure. But again, as I mentioned at the beginning of the program, we have some really insane, and these aren't being presented by Republicans, I don't think, or at least I hope not, but uh, we have some really interesting um, pieces of legislation that are floating up there. Uh, Again, 
House Bill 2005, 2005, which you can find on the uh, kslegislature.com website, traffic infractions for people being fatigued. Apparently, if you're tired and they pull you over and they think that you're drowsy, maybe you have puffy eyes, maybe you're yawning, maybe uh, you have a cup of coffee in your hand or in your vehicle because you're trying to wake up in the morning or you're driving relatively late at night, they're going to assume that you're fatigued and they're going to cite you with a citation and fine you because you're driving fatigued. I'm not quite sure how that is, um, how you can enforce something like that and how much more of an expansion of law enforcement do we need to try to enforce ridiculous bills like that one. That is where we're at in the legislature, and I'm a little concerned with some of the direction that we're going here uh, with this. There are other bills, right? I think it's kind of weird that we don't have these in place at all. Uh, One of these, House Bill 2030, non-public students being able to compete in public school competitions in athletics. We don't have that here? That's kind of weird. And I'll have to read more into it. Maybe it's just a little bit of a tweaking of the laws or something. But uh, coming up from Colorado, where I graduated high school, we had a lot of private school kids that did not go to public school that were competing in our public school athletics, whether it was track or football or baseball or whatever, that the the pub, private school kids were able to compete in those. And then, of course, they had their private school uh, schools as well. But if you were homeschooled, then you could actually compete in those. That's weird how they can't compete right now because, at least in Colorado, a lot of the records that were cast were some that were from the homeschooler kids that competed in our public schools, and they dominated because that's all he did was sit at home, practice, and do that stuff. So kudos to them. A uh, little weird. I don't know. I think the rules here in Kansas are kind of strange, and we have a lot of really big government regulation calling ourselves a Republican state. A little concerning for us. All right, we'll take a break. One more segment right around the corner. We'll get our update from the AARP. Also get your phone calls for the last segment as well. We appreciate all the phone calls today. Good conversations. Good stuff. As we move forward with our legislature, we'll get some more legislators on next week on the program to get an update from Topeka. But, man... There's a lot of things they're addressing, and it's important. But what else aren't they focusing on? What are they missing? Are there things that you want them to address that they're not doing right now? We'll talk about that when we come back as well. Lots more coming up for Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Whether it's the Fraud Watch Network, Retirement Calculator, getting involved in the community, make sure to check them all out online. For all the great information, aarp.org slash ks for the state of Kansas. Also find them and follow them on their social media as well as Mary's back on the line with us here. Mary, how are you today? I'm doing great, Andy. How about you? Hey, we are doing great. Always good to chat with you guys. As you focus on your Fraud Watch Network, we talk about the holiday scams. We're going into tax season with the ta- uh, tax scams, people trying to get your information It's a very scary world out there, so to speak, when it comes to your identity and your information. But talk about some of the biggest scams that we're seeing for the kickoff of the new year so far. Yeah, you know, our the AARP Fraud Watch Network um, does a lot of research on scams. We hear from people who are reporting scams from all over the country. And so we put together a list of some of the top emerging scams for 2023. Um, these are some things you should look out for, and and we can also tell you how to how to 
avoid them if, if possible. So the first one is called a cryptocurrency romance scam, which is a combination of a crypto scam and the romance scam. So um, people will uh, get your trust online through the romance scams, talking to you, getting to know you. Um, and then they want you to go to the app and download a fake crypto account. And then, of course, they want you to put money into that, which will go directly to them and not be invested in, in cryptocurrency. So people really need to, to watch out about that one and any scam that involves investment opportunities that may sound too good to be true. So people have to keep their guard up on that one. Yeah, absolutely. If you're investing $5 and getting a million dollars back, so to speak, then you should have a red flag being raised up for you. And that seems to be a bigger one now as we continue to move forward with uh, the cryptocurrency being uh, more and more prevalent in society every day. It is. It, yeah, it really is. And, you know, like you said, if you want to, you know, sounds really good, that'd be great to be able to do. And and this friend who who you've met on Facebook or somewhere online makes it sound really good. They're going to put their money into it, too. Then, um, you know, you, you just got to step back and think about it. Yeah. And then the next one is about payday loan scams. You know, with all the inflation, people are, are um, you know, they're paying out so much and they're getting a little tight on the money at the end of the month and they may think about going and getting into pay, payday loan scams. Um, and so the scammers are out there telling you that you have a, a prepaid fee that you need to, to do to get the loan. And, and it's it's really not a payday loan. It's it's the scammer trying to make you pay a fee to, to access a payday loan. So be careful of anybody who asks you to pay any sort of loan fee, especially with a gift card. Sure. Absolutely. Does some of that also include the, uh, you talk about this quite a bit as well, the, the MoneyGram and the Western Union stuff, trying to send out money through those services as well? Yes, definitely. You know, the, the scammers want to you to give money, but they don't want to be able to track it. They don't want the authorities to be able to, to track it down. So gift cards are usually the best way because once you purchase them, they're done. But And, and same with it, the ones you were just talking about. So, yeah, it don't, you know, don't give anybody money from and, and don't go out and buy gift cards unless you're going to give them as a gift. And not yeah. to pay for something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the next, the next time one is a one-time password or bot scam. Um, the credit reporting agencies are saying that scammers are utilizing these bots or automated programs to trick people into sharing the two-factor authentication codes that you get sent when you're trying to get into to an account. And um, they're so really the basics of this is don't give anybody your two thinner to um, uh, your authentication code or provide any other information in response to an unsolicited phone call or a text. Don't ever give out that personal kind of information. And then another one is a student loan forgiveness scam. You know, a lot of people thought that they were going to have their student loans forgiven, and that's tied up in the courts right now. But the scammers don't care about that. They're still trying to tell you that you can get money from them, and, and they're they're representing the student loan forgiveness people, and you should give them your information, and they'll help you get that student loan forgiveness plan. So be be aware that, that that's still in the process. If, if you really want information, 
you need to go to the Department of Education student aid website um, to, to see what the status of those are. And then quickly, there's a puppy purchase scam that's uh, emerging. Um, people are paying a lot of money for puppies that they think have pedigrees um, and paying insurance, travel insurance for the dog to get to them, a special rate for them to be traveling in. All of it is a scam. So beware, um, you know, use local resources to, to, to adopt a pet. Um, there's a thing called a check washing scam where crooks are stealing checks from mailboxes. So be careful about your mailbox. Don't leave your mail in overnight in your mailbox. And then finally, there's a free gift QR code scam. So, you know, QR codes are real popular right now. Just make sure that you don't, um, if you received a QR code out of the blue, you really don't know what, what it's for, don't don't access it. Sure. Um, and you can find all this information on the aarp.org uh, slash fraud and scam um, website. And um a lot more information than that, but uh, that's some good information to start out your new year. Always great information, yeah, and there's a lot of big scams coming up, so be aware of all these. Again, you can find all that information and more tips on how to avoid some of these scams at aarp.org slash KS for the state of Kansas. Also find them and follow them on their social media as well. Mary, we appreciate it as always very much. Let's do it again next week. All right, sounds good, Andy. Thank you. Man, we're out of time already. Flies right on by. Where does the time go? The weekend with Michael Bryan right around the corner here on KQAM at 11 o'clock after the top of the hour news. We're back at it again next Saturday with some more. We'll have some legislators on. We have lots to talk about and discuss. Back at it with the Voice of Reason on Monday as well at 4 o'clock right here for your flagship station. Until then, everybody have a wonderful weekend. This is the Big Talker KQAM. We'll see you on the radio.